Hi food nerds, this is Nick here, and you're listening to Literally Delicious. In this week's episode, we have a really exciting three-course offering from Jeffrey Eugenides' Middlesex. Before we get into that, I just wanted to thank you all again for your support of the podcast. I hope that you're enjoying it. If you are, just a brief reminder that if you can give a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you listen to us on, I would really, really appreciate that. And just wanted to remind you briefly again of our social medias. We are on Instagram at literally delish pod. That is at L I T E R A L L Y delish pod. Okay, so that's about all that I have to say before we begin today. I'm really excited to get into this book. It was a really enjoyable one for me to read. Eugenides is such a great writer and in Middlesex really focuses on plot. The plot of Middlesex, for the record, is uh, tracking three generations of a Greek immigrant family who settle in Detroit. They are the Stephanides family, and the novel's protagonist slash narrator is uh, born Calliope, but later uh, goes by Callie, and then later goes by Cal. So let me try to explain some of the confusion with the name here. The story centers partially on Cal's journey of self-discovery, and especially in terms of gender identity. You see, Calliope was born intersex, but does not discover that until uh, she, at that time, Callie, was a teenager. So I'll use he, him pronouns for Cal, the narrator going forward because at the end of the novel this is the preferred pronouns and the identity of our narrator here. But uh, to give a little sense of what the plot is like, Eugenides, who is a native Detroiter, wanted to really cover a lot of Detroit history and, and not to mention a lot of Greek history as the novel begins in Greece and at the time of Greek Civil War moves into the United States where Lefty and Desdemona Stephanides settle into Detroit. Lefty begins working at the Ford Motor Company while Desdemona uh, stays at home and uh, makes a lot of the really wonderful food that I'll be making later on in today's episode. I wanted to give you a quote here just to start which really shows this contrast of the Motor City industrialized assembly line of the cars and Desdemona's cooking. And I think that Eugenides does a really great job here of talking about how Greek immigrants in the United States relied a lot upon their culinary abilities and their hard work, of course, to really become established in the United States. So here is a really wonderful passage from Middlesex. Desdemona stayed home and cooked, without silkworms to tend to or mulberry trees to pick, without neighbors to gossip with or goats to milk, my grandmother filled her time with food. While lefty ground bearings nonstop, Desdemona built pastizio, musaca, and galactoburico. She coated the kitchen table with flour and, using a bleached broomstick, rolled out a paper-thin sheet of dough. The sheets came off her assembly line one after another. They filled the kitchen. They covered the living room, where she'd laid bedsheets over the furniture. Desdemona went up and down the line, 
adding walnuts, butter, honey, spinach, cheese, adding more layers of dough, and then more butter before forging the assembled concoctions in the oven. At the Rouge, workers collapsed from heat and fatigue, while on Hurlbut, my grandmother did a double shift. She got up in the morning to fix breakfast and pack a lunch for her husband, then marinated a leg of lamb with wine and garlic. In the afternoon, she made her own sausages, spiced with fennel, and hung them over the heating pipes in the basement. At three o'clock, she started dinner, and only when it was cooking did she take a break, sitting at the kitchen table to consult her dream book on the meaning of her previous night's dreams. No further than three, no fewer than three pots simmered on the stove at all times. So, again, I just think that Eugenides does such a great job of weaving together Greek history, the immigrant history, this family's history, and the history of Detroit itself in the novel. It, it kind of reminds me of, I think the best comparison that I can think of right now is Forrest Gump, where the plot is so intricately woven with historical events. And in Middlesex, you will see in the plot the sort of creation of the nation of Islam. You'll see how the Stephanides family goes through the 1967 race riots in Detroit. You will hear about the moon landing. You will hear a lot about the Cold War and, and of course, as referenced, the creation of the Ford Motor Company. And so Eugenides really creates a very intricate plot that is really a joy to read. And one of those major plot points is how does the Stephanides family make it in the United States? And at first, as they arrive in the country, it is the era of prohibition. So Lefty actually takes part in a bootlegging ring as he works for the Ford Motor Company. Then the plot turns to Lefty opening a speakeasy. That speakeasy then becomes a restaurant. And then eventually a diner is founded thereafter and then a, a chain of hot dog restaurants. So I think that we can see Eugenides really playing here with this idea and this very often true thing that's happened with Greek immigrants that they become established in the United States by way of cooking and establishing diners. And I wanted to ask the question and answer it in the beginning of this podcast, why are so many of the really great diners, at least in the northeastern part of the United States, founded by and rung by Greek immigrants? And so one interesting answer to this question I found was from uh, Edward Lewine's 1996 article in the New York Times called The Caffenion Connection. This talks about how when about 350,000 Greeks came to the United States between 1900 and 1920, they brought the concept of, or I guess I should say, the cultural practice of the Caffenion with them. And the Caffenion is where Greeks gather, usually men, and they gather to talk, to take down some coffee, maybe some shots of vuoso, and uh, maybe play some backgammon. And in Middlesex, Eugenides covers this whenever Lefty, really down on his luck, has lost his job at the Ford Motor Company. Sorry for the, the slight spoiler there, but 
he's looking for something to do next. And so what he thinks about is his experience in Greece doing uh, just this, meeting with people, drinking coffee. And so he opens his speakeasy in that image. And so that connection between the experience in, I guess I'll call it the old world and now in the new world, really informs Greek diner culture and how it has evolved. And evolved and grown has it ever. In the Levine article I just cited, a, a person is quoted, Tasso Meneses, a president of the Pan-Gregorian Food Buying Company that operates in New York City. And he says that, or he estimates that roughly two-thirds, or about 500 of the 800 or so diners in the city of New York are Greek diners. And that comes with a certain style. The long menu that is full of both Italian, American staples, and of course Greek staples. So I think that we really have the Greeks to thank for this culture that they brought with them to the United States of what is called the Cafenion. And in today's episode, I am going to be making three staples of Greek diner food, pastizio, tzatziki, and rice pudding. And all three of these things are referenced in the text of Middlesex. And I am going to base my recipes on some that I find online, and I'll link for you in the description, and others that I just kind of think about what have I taste? What have I tasted in the past as I've gone to Greek diners? And so I'm very excited to bring you these three recipes here today. The last thing that I want to say here on the point of the Greek diner is uh, to give a whole lot of credit to immigrants. I know that we do a lot of immigrant stories on the podcast and talk about some immigrant food, and we're going to continue to do that because I just think that the story Middlesex really talks about, and it's just one version of the immigrant experience, surely, but really talks a lot about how, coming from the Ottoman Empire, Lefty really has to work alongside of a lot of other immigrants and work with a lot of different people. And quoted in the Lewine article is uh, Mr. Georgiakis, excuse me, one more time, Georgiakis, uh, who was an owner of a Greek diner, said that uh, the immigrants who came from Greece were at one point part of the Ottoman Empire, which had a lot of trading and involved a lot of groups of people constantly in motion and meeting with one another. And for that reason, Greeks learned to do business with a lot of different kinds of people. And they also worked really extremely hard uh, as Lefty opened his uh, speakeasy called the Zebra Room, it's noted that the majority of the clientele are fellow immigrants who are just coming out of the factories and needing a drink. And I think that the Greek diner really involved a lot and gained a lot of popularity, not because of how what we white people have adopted it now and we go to the Greek diner on the weekends or when we're drunk after, you know, a night of fooling around or whatever, but really because they worked hard and provided an experience for other immigrants as they were coming off of really, really hard shifts. And so I just think that at the end of the day here, the this story, Middlesex, does such a great job of 
weaving together how Greek immigrant history is Detroit history, is also American history. And once more, I'm very excited to take you into the kitchen with me here now. If you would like to suggest a recipe for a future episode, send me an email at literallydelishpod at gmail.com, sending me both the title of the work and the author, and hope to see your recipes and your book featured on Literally Delicious very soon. Okay, that is it. Time to head into the kitchen, where I will be making three Greek dishes from Jeffrey Eugenides Middlesex. Let's get to it. Why just read it when you can eat it, food nerds? Welcome into the kitchen, food nerds. It's me, Nick, back in the kitchen making three dishes from Jeffrey Eugenides Middlesex. So these are three Greek dishes that I am making with some recipes that I found on the internet and also just my own experience tasting these foods at Greek diners, similar to the little ones that you see depicted in the novel. The three dishes are pastizio, which is a baked pasta dish, tzatziki, which is a creamy, cool cucumber and yogurt dip, and the third one is Greek rice pudding. I'm actually started about 24 hours before I actually want to eat this meal, and it's the night before and I'm making the meat sauce for the pastizio. So I'm starting with two tablespoons of olive oil, heated up in a large Dutch oven. I'm going to finally chop up one onion here. And if you're wondering why the amounts that I'm using for this recipe seem small for a baked pasta dish, it's because I'm halving the recipe just for me and Gab, so we don't need a huge 13 by 9 pan of lasagna or pastizia. You may have noticed the slip of my tongue there, calling this dish lasagna, but pastizio and lasagna do share quite a lot of similarities. In fact, in some parts of Italy, the word for any sort of baked pasta cut into slices like a pie is pastizia. Now the word lasagna actually comes from the Greek for, let me get this right, lasagnon, which means uh, the thing that a pot stands on. So I just think that it's interesting that these two dishes are so similar and share very kind of intertwined word etymologies. I think where lasagna and pastizio really kind of vary from one another is that lasagna, at least especially in the United States, is very much tomato sauce based, lots of tomatoey meat sauce, whereas Greek pastizio is definitely more meat forward. And the top uses not ricotta, like lasagna you may think of from an Italian restaurant, but bechamel sauce which I will be making tomorrow as I assemble the pastizio. I'm going to use ground beef, 80-20, 
ground chuck in my pastizio, but you may substitute for lamb, making it a very, very Greek dish after all. But I don't really like lamb food nerds, to be honest with you. So I'm going to use this ground beef. Okay. To my Dutch oven, I'll add the onions I just chopped up. That's a nice sound, isn't it, food nerds? I did that just for you. And one pound of ground meat. Going to give my hands a nice wash. And start breaking up this brown meat to make sure that brown, I said brown meat. I'm going to break up the ground meat to make sure that it browns really well. If you notice anything different about my audio this week, food nerds, it's because I am doing something different with my audio. I hope that it sounds a lot better, some less echo, and more of that nice cooking sound that you're looking for right now. So while my onions soften and my beef browns, it should take about 10 minutes on a medium, medium high heat, I am going to slice some garlic very thinly. Okay, just taking my garlic bulb here. Bashing it to smithereens taking just two cloves. And the way that I like to chop up my garlic is taking the flat edge of my knife, crushing it down, and then peeling it out of its little garlic skin. You can put more garlic in yours if you want. I'm usually a little bit lighter handed with my garlic. So pastizio, I think, also differs from lasagna because it it's like its Greek cousin, moussaka, which is eggplant layered with bechamel and sort of a tomatoey sauce as well. I think it shares, pastizio that is, shares more similarities with moussaka than it does with lasagna, especially given that pastizio comes tubular-shaped noodles, not flat lasagna noodles, which I will talk about here tomorrow. Well, 24 hours. It won't be tomorrow in podcast time, but in 24 hours' time when I assemble this pastizio. Ah, it's been a really fun weekend, food nerds. And I'm very sleepy here tonight as I make this pastizio for y'all. But it's honest work. So while I cut up this garlic, let me tell you about the other ingredients that I got going here. Can of crushed tomatoes, cumin, cinnamon, uh, cloves, thyme, salt, pepper, tomato paste. Okay, pretty simple. Pretty simple team of the ingredients. What I really like about the pastizio flavor are the warm spices in the meat sauce. 
which we're going to cook for about 45 minutes to an hour tonight on a low simmer so that it can really take in some of that nice warm flavor. Okay, so my meat is browning here. When I come, come back, I'm going to add in my garlic, always adding that in at the end so that it doesn't burn. And then I'll add in my spices and we will continue this lovely Greek cook from Jeffrey Eugenides, Jeffrey Eugenides, excuse me, Middlesex. Okay, back more later. Alrighty, food nerds, we're back here and our beef has browned very nicely. I'm breaking it up into some nice small chunks, very uh, thin, sort of, uh, not ground, but a nice smooth consistency is what we want from our meat sauce here. I don't actually like to stir up my ground beef for chilies or meat, meat sauces when I'm making those because I really do want the meat to get nice caramelization and when you're moving around so much it doesn't continue to get that direct heat which is going to lead to nice hard searing on it. That looks really good. Okay, going to add in now my garlic and just let that cook for a minute or two. Definitely don't want that to burn. So pastizio is very much a Greek home style dish. In fact, Desdemona makes this dish in her own home, makes it for her husband, makes it for her guests at her home. And I just feel that it really is representative of a very homey dish and I really, really enjoyed it at uh, local Greek diners. So to the sauce, I'm going to now add my tomato paste. I'm using the kind that you squeeze out of the tube, the double concentrated kind for extra tomato flavor. Okay. I'm also going to add one bay leaf for some extra flavor. Going to add a little bit of salt now as well. About a teaspoon of salt. Okay. And pepper. About a quarter teaspoon of pepper. Dry thyme, about a teaspoon of that. A quarter teaspoon of dry clove. Some nice warm spice in here going in now. And a half a teaspoon of cinnamon. Big stir. Get it all nice and coated with that tomato paste. Mmm, it smells kind of sweet from that cinnamon in the clove. I have cumin out here as well. I almost forgot the cumin. I'm going to add half a teaspoon of cumin. Boom. More like a three-quarter teaspoon. I really like the taste of cumin. 
That adds really nice savory flavor, I think. Okay. I'm gonna deglaze the pan now with a half a cup of red wine. Making sure that I scrape the bottom up to get those nice uh, burnt on beefy bits. Okay, that red wine is almost going to evaporate instantly in this very, very hot pot. To that, I'm going to add one cup of beef broth. So definitely some really nice beefy flavor here. I use the low sodium kind. I can always add more salt in, but can't, of course, take salt out. Okay, very nice. Half a can of crushed tomatoes. 28 ounce can I'm using here. So one 14 ounce can. So just some good tomato flavor in there. Stir that in. Let this come to a boil and then reduce to a simmer for 45 minutes to an hour. And then from there, I'm going to let it cool on my countertop just until it's cool enough that I can put it into an airtight container and into the fridge overnight. And the reason for this food nerds is so that it gets a little bit tighter and it's easier to kind of stack and layer tomorrow with the pasta to make it look really impressive. Okay, so I'll be back with more food fun tomorrow food nerds. We'll assemble our pastizio and put together our tzatziki and rice pudding. See you back then. Hello food nerds, 24 hour podcasts, uh, 24 hours of podcast time have gone by and it's pastizio assembly day and also today we are going to make a couple other Greek dishes. So I have got pastizio noodles boiling and I'm gonna cook them about two minutes less than what the box calls for so that they're super al dente and can be uh, nice and uh, perfect whenever we bake them in the oven, which by the way, I have set at 350 degrees and is now preheating. So while the noodles cook, we can do a couple of things here. Opening up a 16 ounce container of Greek whole milk yogurt. This is going to be for our tzatziki. This is very nice and thick already, but I'm going to drain it out even more by putting it into a cheesecloth over a sieve. And that is over a bowl so I can capture some of the liquid that comes off of this. Okay. So I'm going to squeeze my Greek yogurt here to get out as much moisture as I can. And that way, when we add in the cucumber, it's going to be very, very nice consistency. Okay. So I'm going to squeeze that down, try to get out as much water now as I can. It's surprising how much water will come out of Greek yogurt. Okay. My noodles are almost ready here. 
So I'm going to let that Greek yogurt alone so that it can continue to drain. Meanwhile, I'm going to grate manchego cheese. Now this is for the pastizio. And so I'm using manchego here instead of the more traditional Greek kefaltri cheese, which I couldn't find, but you may be able to find food nerds in your local Mediterranean specialty store. So I need about five ounces of grated manchego or kefaltri cheese. Uh, Pecorino Romano would also work here. Basically any sheep's milk cheese. Okay, I'm going to put some of this in the bechamel sauce that I'm about to make. And the other half I'm going to sprinkle on top. Okay, noodles are done. I'm going to take those off the heat immediately. Drain. Rinse with cold water. Make sure these start cooling down here. And put into a baking dish. Mine is a nine by nine. Make sure that you drain these super well because you don't want your final pasticcio to be super wet. My baking dish is nine by nine. You could certainly use something bigger, 13 by nine, but since it's just me and Gab, I'm gonna go with a smaller version. Okay, placing the noodles over here to cool. Those look lovely. Okay, so back now to my bechamel sauce. I'm going to put a medium saucepan over medium heat and melt three tablespoons of butter. Making the sauce reminds me of last week's episode from Nora Ephron's Heartburn when she talks about how reassuring and, and satisfying it is when cooking that you can count on the sauce to thicken whenever you combine flour and butter. It's going to get thick. You can count on that. It's a nice sizzle from the butter. It means the pan is nice and hot. Don't want the butter to brown so much as just to melt. And then an equal amount of flour I will now put into the pot, or the saucepan rather, with the melted butter. One, two, three. All right, give this a nice stir. Cook that flour down. And this is going to be the thickening agent of our bechamel sauce. Lovely, okay. I'm going to measure out my milk now to add to the sauce. I need one and a half cups. And as a reminder, food nerds, I'm halving this recipe.
Okay, I'm gonna add the milk in very slowly. It's important when making a bechamel that all of your ingredients are room temperature. The roux smells nice and nutty. So now I'm going to start slowly pouring in my milk. Letting that get nice and thick. A thick, creamy white sauce. While I work on this food, nerds, I'll tell you a little bit about the tzatziki. We're going to finish up here in just a few moments. Tzatziki can be so many different fresh herbs, but they almost always contain, well, they always contain cucumber and some garlic. So I'm going to make mine with a little dill, salt, pepper. It's gonna be very nice. I'm stirring my bechamel sauce constantly here. So sorry if I get a little bit quiet, I'm just focusing here on slowly pouring in the milk while stirring the sauce together. If you go slow here and stir constantly, you won't have any lumps in your bechamel sauce, and that just sounds like a good play. All right, rest of the milk in. I'm going to stir it every so often now as it continues to thicken, as it heats all the way through. And the consistency that I'm going for here, food nerds, is thick enough to coat a spoon. It should take about six to eight minutes while you're stirring constantly still. Okay, so while I stir this up, I'm going to take a little break, and then when we get back, we are going to assemble the pastizio and create the tzatziki, and then finish today with our rice pudding. Don't go anywhere. All right, food nerds, my bechamel has thickened up nicely, and I'm going to add in half of my manchego here. Give that a stir. So I'm basically making something that you could recreate to make a really nice macaroni and cheese. And I'm going to be making mine into the pastizio, of course. So I've taken the bechamel off the heat to add in the cheese. I'm gonna stir that in until it's all melted and looks really smooth. Okay, seasoning time. You always add nutmeg to bechamel sauce. I'm not sure why, but it's just the way we do it. Pepper, and some salt. We'll go a little bit light on the salt here because manchego is already salty. You wanna make sure not to make it a salt bomb. Okay, so taste. It's really nice. Does need a little bit more salt though. Little pepper too. I'm thinking about a good half teaspoon of each, a couple pinches, but just a very small amount of nutmeg. 
If you want to freshly grind yours, good on you. I don't have any to freshly grind, so I've got the pre-ground stuff, and it works just as well. Okay. Turning our attention now over to the noodles. They are resting in the pan that they're going to bake in. And right now, I'm going to do something a little bit interesting. I'm going to take two eggs, collect just the egg whites, okay? And I'm going to add those into these now cool noodles. And this is going to help bind them together and make sure that we can, when we slice into this pasticcio, we can get really nice slices. Okay, so over, I'm working over a bowl here so that I can collect these egg whites, or excuse me, collect the egg yolks and use those in a different recipe. Okay, so you want to make sure that your eggs are room temperature as well. Get a little bowl. The way I like to separate yolks from whites, if I'm looking to get the just the white, I'll just do it in my fingers. Let the yolk slide in my fingers a little bit. And then the white just slides right through. Simple as that. Okay. I'm going to now grab a fork. Beat together these egg whites. I'm not looking to make a meringue out of these, just to get them a little fluffier, activate those proteins, make these egg whites strong, make this pastizio nice and thick. Pour these now into our noodles. Gonna give my hands a little bit of a wash here. All right, toss the noodles in the egg whites just to coat. And oh, by the way, those egg yolks, you wanna beat those up into a bowl right now. Almost forgot. We wanna add those into our bechamel. I'm sorry that I misspoke earlier saying that you can get rid of those things. No, we need those right now. So pasticcio, the different things that you got to do for the recipe are not very complex, but set yourself enough time to make sure that you can do it right. Okay, so stirring in egg yolk to the bechamel. And that's going to make sure that it creates a nice thick layer at the top of it. Okay, so now that is our bechamel. Our noodles are ready. I'm gonna get the meat sauce out of the fridge and begin assembly. Here we go. All right, food nerds. I've arranged my noodles in a single file line as best as I could so that when you cut them, they look very nice and pretty. So a couple things that you might wanna do with your meat sauce. Well, one thing you should definitely do is take out those bay leaves that we used, okay? So nobody has to bite into those. Another thing that I 
did was, as fat from the ground meat congealed on top, I just scraped that off as best I could. Didn't get all of it, but a lot of the big chunks of, of meat fat from the top, I scraped off so that this could be a less greasy pasticcio. I'm just spreading the meat sauce now over my noodles. Get a nice even layer so that it's noodles on bottom, meat sauce on top. If you find that your sauce has really tightened up, you can also heat it back up a little bit so that it becomes spreadable. But mine was just right. Okay. Meat sauce on. Next, pouring over the bechamel. Right on top there. Yes, very nice. Because we put those extra egg yolks in here, it's going to set up and be very nice and thick on top, not penetrate into the meat layer below it so much. And we're going to have really nice defined layers. Smooth it out, but try not to get the meat in with your bechamel, okay? Try to just kind of, if you need to gently spread, go over the top, but all the while make sure that you're not kind of squishing your layers up, okay? So there's the bechamel. Finish it with about uh, two more ounces of your cafaltery or manchego or pecorino romano cheese, whatever you've been using. Just a nice grind on the top. It's going to make a nice crust. And we're going to put this in the oven to bake at 350 for 35 to 40 minutes or until the top of it looks like it's beginning to set. Then we're going to throw it under the broiler for a minute to get a nice crust on the top. This just sounds so good. Okay. In the oven we go. Yummy. All right. Let's turn our attention now to the tzatziki and the rice pudding. All right, food nerds, let's go over to the tzatziki. I've flipped the Greek yogurt out of its cheesecloth into the bowl, getting rid of all of the excess liquid. I'm going to grate now. With the grater that I meant to get. I'm gonna grate now half of a really large cucumber and one clove of garlic and I'll add salt and pepper to taste from there. I peeled and de-seeded this cucumber a little bit earlier. So I'm just using the big uh, notches on my cheese grater. 
Okay, there's the cucumber. Going to crush this clove of garlic, get it out of its little shell. Come on out, little garlic, come on. And using the fine part of the grater now, grate in this garlic. Fantastic. You could also use your garlic crusher if you've got one, but I already had my grater out, so I just used that. Okay, half of a lemon. It's juice, please. All right, that looks good. Let's talk herbs now. I'm going to take my dill here, and I'm gonna take about, I'd say, a quarter cup of dill. Scrape it off here with my knife. Just getting the fronds and not the little stems. Mm, dill is so aromatic. I always think it goes so well with cucumbers and other creamy stuff. Okay, give that dill a little bit of a chop. And into the bowl with the yogurt and the cucumber and lemon juice. Okay, a little salt and pepper to taste. I'll start with about a half a teaspoon of salt and a quarter teaspoon of pepper. And I'll give that a big stir and serve with some pita chips. Looks lovely. Okay, food nerds, I'll be right back and we'll finish today's episode with Desdemona's rice pudding. Don't go away. All right, food nerds, time for dessert. This is Greek rice pudding, also called Rito Gallo which is a name that's a combination of its two main ingredients, rice, which is risi in Greek, and milk, which is gala. It's a very sweet pudding with great texture, which is actually best served cold or uh, room temperature, so that's why I'm making it at the beginning of the meal before we have our other lovely dishes. Okay, so I've melted over medium-high heat in a large saucepan, two tablespoons of unsalted butter. I'm adding to that a whole quart of milk. Okay, bring that to a boil, and then add a pinch of salt. The kind of rice that you use in this dish, Food Nerds, is very important. You have to use a short grain rice because that has the best amount of starch in it, 
which is going to create a pudding with really great thick and creamy consistency. So I'm going to use arborio rice from Italy, but the Greeks would use uh, short to medium grain rice called glacé. So whatever you can get your hands on, so long as it's not the long grain white or brown rice that we're used to eating in the United States. Okay, my milk is almost reached a boil. Once it does so, I'm going to add in rice, the rind of a lemon, and boil for about 25 minutes, stirring a lot so that, that the rice does not stick to the bottom of the pot. Once the rice is cooked, I'm going to take out the lemon rind and stir in about a quarter cup of sugar. Okay, and then once I've got the sugar in there, I'm going to add about one cup of this mixture of rice and milk to two beaten eggs to temper them. Okay, so bring them up to temperature so that you don't get scrambled eggs as soon as you pour them into your hot rice mixture. Reduce the heat, add in the eggs mixture, and stir again, and then we'll have rice pudding. And we will taste all of these for you very soon. Gab is on her way back from a walk, so whenever she gets back, we will uh, dig in and tell you all what this tastes like. All right. Don't go away. All right, food nerds. I've been standing by this pot now for the past 25 minutes, stirring the one-third cup of arborio rice and the one quart of milk. You'd be amazed just how much one quart of milk can reduce down to. The mixture is thick, looks very creamy, and has a really kind of sticky consistency because of all the starch in the rice. I'm looking around here, pulling out the lemon peel, and then adding over just a little bit of the warm rice and milk and sugar mixture over to this bowl of beaten eggs, two eggs here. Okay, just bringing them up to temperature, tempering them so that they do not turn into scrambled eggs. All right, now the eggs go right into the rice pudding. Stir them up over a low heat until they get very nice and thick. Meanwhile, I got my pasticcio under the broiler so that it gets a nice crust. We're gonna take that out and let that cool, slice it, and give it a taste. I'm going to let my rice pudding cool here now to room temperature, adding a tablespoon of vanilla. I know it sounds like a lot, but the vanilla is the, the flavor of the rice pudding. And I'm going to top with some cinnamon to dress it up. Mm. This smells delicious. Literally delicious. All right, food nerds. To see some photos from today's recipe,
go to our Instagram accounts, which I mentioned at the top of the episode, at literally pod, And you can see the recipes from today as well there. And enjoy some other fun Instagram things. Okay. Thank you so much, food nerds. Get ready for some, some bites. All right, Gab, are you ready to make the food nerds very jealous? I am ready, always ready. Okay, so these are recipes inspired by Jeffrey Eugenides Middlesex. Mm-hmm. Have you read? No. Okay, do you <laughs> think so? <laughs> so what we have here is our dessert, our rice pudding, and our appetizer, some tzatziki with pita chips. Shall we do dessert first? Of course. Okay. This is Arborio rice. It is a little hot, mm. but not super hot. That's really good. It's still lemony, mm-hmm. and the lemon rind I cooked in it. It and has a really nice, like, cinnamon, cinnamony vanilla flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sprinkled on some cinnamon at the end there. But it's still kind of, like, chewy, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know you don't like tapioca pudding, but it's like mm-hmm. a better tapioca pudding. I think, I think so. I really like this, and I don't like tapioca. Okay, so we love dessert first, don't we? Duh. Okay, so we're going to let that cool. It's actually going to get even better Just as one it more cools. Bite. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, food nerds. For science. It's for science. So while you take a bite of that, I'm going to take a bite of our tzatziki here. Kind of a weird flavor combination with the rice pudding, but it works. Did you not make me in a mood though? To mm-hmm. cleanse my palate. Okay. Let's try this. Smooth, creamy, refreshing. It's pretty good tzatziki, right? Mm-hmm. Make that again sometime. You should make this at home, food nerds. Yeah, that's super good. It's yeah. like creamy. There's a bunch of, what, dill in there? Mm-hmm. Lemon. It's way better than, like, the store-bought stuff. Absolutely. And there's Greek yogurt too, yeah. 100%. Even if you don't like Greek yogurt, you'll like this because it doesn't have that like really, the tang is way more subdued. Well, you heard it here first, food nerds. We love to share the pastizio tasting with you, but I think I want to be a little bit selfish and keep that to ourselves. Plus it's really freaking hot. <laughs> it will burn our faces <laughs> off. So until next time, food nerds, make sure that you stay hungry. And stick around for the last bite. It's back. Here we go. And we're back, finally, with another last bite. In today's last bite, I want to talk a little bit about a really funny juxtaposition in Middlesex. That is through time between the 1930s and the 1970s how certain, quote, ethnic ingredients and ethnic foods had been seen differently, one at one point being more of a negative thing and at a later point more of a positive thing. So the example that I'm speaking of here from Middlesex refers to garlic. In one part of the book, when Lefty Stefanides is working for the Ford Motor Company, a group of uh, suited men, so men in black suits, come over to his house and inspect his property. They're likely looking to see if there are any signs of his bootlegging taking place there, but they also kind of search through his fridge 
and they see garlic, which is a huge part of the Greek diet, and they say, don't eat this stuff because it could cause indigestion and make it so that you do less work when you're on the assembly line. Fast forward in the book and fast forward in time to the 1970s, uh, Desdemona Stephanides takes part in a longevity survey where a doctor is studying her diet and plotting her life expectancy against the life expectancies of Italians, Polish, Germans, other immigrant groups, and finding that the Greeks live longer do, they think, in part to yogurt and garlic. So I just think that it's a funny sort of comparison of how really early in the 1930s, the garlic was seen as, oh, no, no, it's an evil thing, don't eat that. And then in the 1970s, it was, it's going to make you live longer, it's going to promote longevity. If you want to be really cynical about it, you can say that these things are part of the same kind of mechanism that's in place in capitalism where you're trying to get the most labor out of people as possible. But on the other hand, it could just be a funny moment about how we have seen garlic differently between the 1930s and the 1970s when garlic in foods such as Italian food or Greek food became more popular and more mainstream. And for that matter, garlic and yogurt do have health benefits. Garlic is anti-inflammatory. It could be good for your immune system. Whereas yogurt has full of probiotics. It's really good for your gut health and can also be good for your immune system as well as a good source of uh, protein. So just wanted to leave you with that to think about a little nutritional fun fact and again, another really fantastic moment in Jeffrey Eugenides' Middlesex. It's been so fun hanging out with you all in today's episode. I hope that you'll stop by next week and join us for another awesome time on Literally Delicious. Until then, food nerds, here's to your health.